The Bible Study Podcast, episode 330. Today, the Bible Study Podcast completes the study of John 6. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may remember that in the last few episodes, we've been looking at the Gospel of John, and most recently, we dealt with the feeding of the 5,000, and then with Jesus walking on the water, and then the people follow him, because again, they're trying to make him king, and they demand of him a miracle, and he says to them that he is the bread of life. And that leads us to the end here of chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Many disciples desert Jesus. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Where his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He met Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though he was one of the twelve, was later to betray him. We said that when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that that was going to be something that was going to be very difficult for the disciples to understand. In fact, the twelve even wouldn't have an idea really what he was talking about. And they wouldn't get a sense of it until later on, until the Last Supper, until Good Friday, and then probably then until after Easter. When he says hard words like, that I am the bread of life unless you eat me, that that wasn't going to make a lot of sense. And we sometimes talk about the crowds deserting Jesus. It's interesting that John points out that some of those crowds that we're talking about here are disciples. These aren't people who just went out to see Jesus for the day, but who've been walking around with Jesus for some time, who have given up jobs and life and family to go follow after Jesus for a while. And when they hear these hard sayings, Even for some of them, it's too much. They don't know what to do with them. And I wonder what happened to these people later on. After Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected, did people go back and tell them, hey, we now understand what's going on? And did some of them believe? Or or was that it? Was that an inoculation against the faith because they stopped believing too soon? And I don't know. And the Bible doesn't really say, and we might not be able to tell until we can ask some of them. Hopefully bump into some of them in heaven and ask. Continuing on to John 7, Jesus goes to the festival of tabernacles. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. 
Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here, for you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival... The Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus, asking, Where is he? Among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one could say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. So while in the last section we had a response to Jesus from some of the disciples, as we mentioned, this section we see something about the interfamily dynamics. Now, it's interesting to note here that in some of the other Gospels, we hear about who Jesus' brothers are, and we hear mention of their names. One of them will have more of a role later after the resurrection, and that is James, James the Elder, who is one of Jesus' brothers, obviously a younger brother and a half-brother. But James and the other brothers at this point don't believe in Jesus. They grew up with him, and they're just not quite sure what he's doing and why he's left the family business to go do this. And it might be harder to be accepted in your hometown and to be accepted in your own family, but they will, at least one of them, later on go on to faith, and James will become an important leader in the church, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But at this point, they're saying, you know, Jesus, if you're going to be a public leader, you've got to be in public. So why don't you come down with us to the Festival of the Tabernacles? And the Festival of the Tabernacles is remembering the time they spent in the wilderness. And so they're going to go live in tents. It's the Festival of Purim. And they're going to go down, and it's a big festival. So they say, come with us. Come show yourself to the people. But Jesus understands that there's other things going on, that the Jewish leaders, we learn about their response to him, their already at this point ready to kill Jesus. They're already seeing him as a threat to their authority, seeing him as someone that they don't want to deal with, and so they're going to do away with him if they can. And so Jesus sneaks down to the festival here. And as he gets to the festival, we see the reaction of the crowds and the the whispering among the people about who is Jesus. Some say he's a good man and others say, no, 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 he's, he's a false teacher. He's deceiving his people. But no one wants to say anything publicly because, again, the crowds, unlike the brothers who have been up in Galilee, also understand that the Jewish leaders have it in for Jesus already. And so Jesus comes down and he teaches, verses 14 through 24. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You were demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all amazed. Yet 
because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And so Jesus starts to speak, and he gets to the heart of the problem that the Jewish leaders have with him, and that's that incident with the Sabbath that we had last time he was in Jerusalem, when he healed the man on the Sabbath. And he points out to them that if they don't do circumcision on the Sabbath, they violate the law. How can that be necessary for the law and their understanding of it, and yet what he did be a violation of it? And it's interesting, their reaction to Jesus here, when they hear him teach, they are astounded. There is something about the teaching of Jesus elsewhere in the Gospels where we're told he teaches with authority. And there's something different about him. And they say, but we know that he is just a carpenter from Nazareth. He didn't go to our finest seminaries. He didn't go to our schools. He didn't sit at the feet of the elders and learn. Remember, this is the same reaction they had when he was 12 years old, when he taught in the temples, we learn in the other Gospels. And so this is teaching that, as he says, does not come from him. And then one last section here, I want to do this whole chapter because this whole chapter is about how people are reacting to Jesus, uh, which is interesting because we get it all together here by John. And then we get division over who Jesus is, starting in verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here of my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed him. They said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and that I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. And we see this division here in the crowd. Is he the Messiah? I don't know. Do the leaders think he's the Messiah? I'm not sure. Is he from Galilee? Shouldn't he be from Bethlehem? All of this murmuring as, who is this Jesus? So much murmuring, you wonder if they're really listening, if there's really time to listen to what Jesus has to say. And Jesus stands up here on the biggest day of the festival and says, basically, that he is bringing life. 
He is bringing this water of life. Living water will flow from you. And people don't know what to do with this Jesus. He's not what they expected. Do we sometimes miss God because he acts in ways we don't expect? Now, Jesus is from Bethlehem, was born there. They don't know that story, and Jesus doesn't bother to tell them. But he's not who they expected. They expected someone more learned, maybe. They expected someone from Bethlehem, for sure. They didn't know what they were expecting. What are they? What should they see? What should the Messiah be? Is this the Messiah? Some say yes, some say no. And they're not really sure. And at this point is the first time where they actually go to arrest him. But it doesn't happen. And we get the final closing of this chapter with the unbelief of the Jewish leaders. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests of the Pharisees who asked him, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. So one of the interesting questions here is they say, the guards come back and say, we couldn't arrest him. How can we arrest somebody who speaks like this? You didn't hear him. We couldn't do anything. So even the guards are affected. Of course, the leaders scoff at this and say, well, have any of us believed? Well, sitting in their midst is one who does. Sitting in their midst is Nicodemus who tries to defend Jesus and says, shouldn't we hear him out before we condemn him? They won't have anything to do with that statement. They won't listen to Nicodemus. They are not at the point where they're interested in scholarly debate. They're not at the point where they're interested in listening to Jesus. Their ears have closed and their hearts have closed. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories. And our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.